The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. How's it going, guys? This is Cameron Fry with His Girl Friday coming at you live on a Wednesday night, 8.45 p.m. It is late, but all is great, at least right now. Hope you guys are hanging in there, thriving, not surviving, not striving. You're staying healthy and that God's comfort and peace are near during these trying and chaotic times. It's been a while since I've cut a pod, and part of that is just due to the time we're in. Also, some personal elements in play. Got some vacation time at the end of October. Under or within a normal rhythm, I would have cut a pod a few days before Halloween, but really needed to focus the end of October on family and reconnecting, re-engaging in some ways that, you know, I've just kind of forgotten to, <laughs> or just it's been one of those fumbled balls in my personal life. I don't need to get into the nitty gritty of it, but just know that there are times we have to prioritize family above everything else that's going on. And I found myself in that mode most of last month. So that's why a bit more absence, but I'm hoping to finish the year with three, four more pods. So thank you for your patience for tonight. I want to keep this short and by short, I mean under 15 minutes, new series. It's more of a mini series. And it concerns what it means to be in Christ. How often do we say that? And, you know, we know on the surface what it means, but deep down we don't know how it looks like. We don't know how it translates. How we, we, It resonates with us, um, especially for those who actually have Christ in their hearts because they've accepted him in. But specifically, how this looks within our arenas of expertise, at our jobs, when we're at work, on the clock. That is where my interest lies as I cut this. This is going to be a two-parter, hence mini-series. But we are in two parts going to cover three ways we could be more, not just like Christ, but in Christ at work. See, I feel like in pods past, I've talked about how to be like Christ. When we talk about abiding in, in Christ, I mean, you don't abide like Christ, you abide in Christ. So... We're going to get practical, but as always, we have to start with some more aerial perspective. We need to also simultaneously get our hands dirty with the theology uh, before we unpack and we can really examine what this looks like practically, relationally, within, within the heat of the moment as we are committing our hands, our minds to Jesus no matter what we do. So, Lord, I just commit this time into your hands. I thank you for this glorious day that you've made. We choose to rejoice and be glad in it. We know we are not here by mistake. We know that you have given us all a calling and a purpose. You've given us a place, and you are so good to us. We enter into your courts with praise. We enter with gratitude on our lips. And that I just pray that tonight everything that is said, everything that is heard, everything that is believed, will take root, will be like seeds planted in fresh soil, that there will be a divine exchange, a transaction that happens tonight uh, where we're ultimately 
conformed, reformed, and transformed into your light and into your image. We thank you that we can reflect you uh, in all that we say and do. But Lord, tonight we ask that you illuminate our minds and our hearts as to how we can be in you <laughs> uh, in all modes, in all seasons, in all aspects of life. So we just give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I've been thinking. I know it's a dangerous pastime, right? Many of us know what it means to be of God, from God, near God. We understand what it means to live as Christ, by Christ, through Christ, because of Christ. But let's be honest. At the end of the day, do we truly appreciate being in Christ? Do we even care to know what this means how this looks as anointed, appointed kingdom influencers at work. Like some of you, I know in Christ I'm a new creation. I know what the word tells me. Not only am I a new creation, but I'm more than a conqueror and I've been set free. But frankly, there are days when I'm at work and I struggle to see how these truths translate to what I do, to what I think, to what I hope for, to what I anticipate while on the clock. Perhaps tonight, you're reading this or you're hearing this, listening to the podcast version. You're lost in the similar boat, wondering how your skills are connected to your in Christ identity. If so, know this before we continue. If we're to mature in this wisdom, we must see the pathway as embracing weakness in light of God's sovereignty. Embracing 100% helplessness in light of God's 100%, you got this. As I explained in this post, our admittance of helplessness is not only the first step to being an in-Christ worker, but also the way we cultivate peace and joy as overflows, as we work. Doing so may be hard at first, depending on your occupation. But if we commit to this forgotten gospel, no question we will inspire cultural transformation as an overflow of our heart transformation. So that's the setup, the three ways we can vocationally abide in Christ, in our in Christ identity. And note, this template, this guide is not a one-size-fit-all. These are rooted in Scripture. I don't want to get lost in semantic, semantics. You may have found maybe a slightly different pathway with a different order. I don't want to say different terminology because the word is the word. Uh, But for me, when it comes to abiding in my in-Christ identity at work, the first step is to yield first, submit second. Or the first truth to really wrap my head around. Yield first, submit second. In a performance-oriented world, we tend to methodically approach trust. Deep down, we want to depend on God, but ultimately... We struggle as self-effort guides our surrender. For instance, in the same way we can confess our need for God while denying our want for Him, we can acknowledge dependence while catering to our modes of independence. Talk about tragic irony there. (laughs) As we'll discuss later on, this is partly why some are so quick to deny conflict without denying the source of conflict, without acknowledging God's presence. However, when we consider the ministry of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians 5, we realize we are born again into dependence the moment we accept Christ. There is a transaction that happens. We 
while we, we still sin, we're leaving a lifestyle of sin and likewise a lifestyle of independence behind. It doesn't mean we, you know, we don't have independent moments here and there. But like the iconic Matrix scene or that sequence, the adaption to this new reality is powerful. It takes time, but there's something that happens instantly and there's something that happens in the weeks and months and years from that point of conversion. Some of you are experienced seasoned veteran Christians. Some of you are baby believers. Especially if you're the latter, you know, you know we, we learn how the cross breaks the power of sin by severing the root of independence. From there we grow in Christ as we develop intimacy with God through Christ by the Spirit. The problem for some of us is how we abide in this intimacy. Especially when we're at work, the temptation is to postpone intimacy as an experience we initiate as opposed to a mindset reality we enter into. But as God's word declares, we are placed in intimacy the moment we confessed our helplessness. (laughs) It's not that we admit helplessness and we're detached from intimacy. We might think that way, but a lot of times we are in intimacy with Christ and we don't even realize it. We belittle the value, the power of admitting total helplessness. And there's something amazing when we can acknowledge and tap into the completeness of God's X attribute. But sometimes it's easier to, like, I want more of this part of God without abandoning and surrendering everything that we need to surrender. And part of that's because we're so quick to submit, we don't yield first. It's like, what came first. It's not so much a chicken versus egg, but it's cart before the horse. We want to submit our stuff to God. We want to cast, cast, cast our, our cares and anxieties, and that's great. But are we taking the time to yield and to align our heart posture in order to submit well in the first place? I don't think some of us, we're like, we're submitting, uh, but are we submitting in the right direction? Are we submitting to God? I think sometimes we just want to get the crap off our shoe. And that's not a bad thing. We just, there's a, right way to go about it so and that's why that's what i'm after what's the best way to rely and depend on god at work what are some truths we could believe to help in that aligning process so when we are casting when the time comes when we can cast our anxieties and cares upon the lord we are properly aligned for that transaction to happen as, well, when we draw near to God at work, we can know that intimacy is already achieved. Intimacy is the foundation from which gratitude and surrender flow. Embracing our weakness redirects our focus to God's strength. It's not that we exalt our weakness when we embrace it, but it's in embracing it, we realize, oh man, I'm, I just need God. I'm so helpless. I can't possibly live without him. And then our focus turns to God's strength. That's the whole point is that our mindset, our heart posture, we're so caught up in what in who God is and how is power his character can demonstrate and manifest and the you know the fourth point it's kind of a mini point here but our work can be a response of worship as we embrace weakness and lean on jesus you probably have heard that phrase that work could be seen as worship but work can also be intimacy whoa really i haven't really thought of that i mean that's kind of like one thing that's rocking my world you know when we enter into the God's courts of praise, even in a worship context, we think of just being in a sanctuary and there's music. But a lot of times, you know, for most of our lives, we're worshiping without the music. We're worshiping outside the sanctuary. We're worshiping in the inner courts within 
again, you know, with our jobs, our arenas of expertise and influence, we're using our unique gift set, spiritual gift set, a vocational gift set, relational gift set, etc. So a lot of times we're worshiping without being in the stereotypical places of worship. So that's why like the inner man, the inner dwellings, the inner habitation of Christ in us is so fresh in my mind lately. And there's one word I haven't even gotten to yet, and I'm surprised I haven't really said it yet, but it's the cross. The cross is not only where intimacy starts, but also the reason we can embrace weakness in the first place. To do this, particularly at work, we must remember to yield first, surrender second. That's the title of this point. After all, it's not the confession that aligns us, but the hard posture we take to reference God in the moment. All right, moving on. Point number two, see the work, see the cross. Ah, the cross is back. So far, we've established how admitting our 100% helplessness is the first step to embracing weakness, yielding before submitting, and maturing as a worker in Christ. But what if I told you there's more apart from this rhythm? Consider this. While the cross represents the finished work of Christ on earth, it's also the way we do life for eternity. So far, we've discussed this in individual terms, specifically our approach to work as worship and referencing God without striving. Yet as for our colleagues and clients, this implies relationship marked by love manifesting in harmony, unity, and sacrifice, dependence on God's sovereignty, working unto the Lord as faithful stewards, and working into the Lord as worshipers aware of the good he's given us. After all, God didn't give us expertise and influence to be confined within a vacuum. If it helps, here are some examples of how embracing weakness and God's strength in light of the cross can help us live in harmony and unity. When we see the cross at the core of our work, we're more inclined to own mistakes and confidence when we're tempted to beat ourselves up Receive God's humility into situations when relearning and reviewing is necessary. Receive the Holy Spirit into moments when our attitudes need adjusting. Lean on God when we're tempted to stress, trading our, I don't want to be here, I don't want to do this for his, you got this. Lean on God when we anticipate confrontation and believing victory in our attitude before it happens. Forgive clients and colleagues on the go knowing their sting never has to dictate the outcome of our harder effort. Here's one of my favorites. See the brick we want to bless people with as the rock we lay down. There are plenty of people who annoy us, who disappoint us. If we don't understand a way about them or why they did something or why they forgot to do something, and sometimes we become so preoccupied by the disappointment, it becomes a splinter in the back of our minds. We forget to let it go. We don't release them of the power to make it right. We, we, sometimes we don't give them the opportunity to make it right or to correct. And that becomes grudge potential. Certainly not a good thing. We keep that rock in our hands. And I'm not saying that when someone disappoints us, we want to hurt them or harm them. 
I'm not saying that. Um, in fact, this point was inspired by someone who cut me off on the interstate when driving to work in the first place. Did I want to bless the guy with the brick? Absolutely, yes. But there are some times where we get a client who belittles us, who challenges us, who discourages us, who berates us, who just says something very inappropriate, very condemning fashion. And we have to lay the rock down and just refuse to give them that power to dictate how the the day is going to go, how that moment is going to go. Lean on Jesus by leaning on people he has teamed us with. Again, I really like this point. There are times when, I mean, I've had to learn this again in my role at Foundation Group. I don't have what I need to help, but not being discouraged by that thought, but rather seeing how I could use it to discover help in the moment and, again, depend on God by depending on the vessels and the teammates he has put in my path. And to see it as a good thing. I'm not sure how to help. I'm not sure what I need to do here. But to admit that is strength. Because I'm admitting... Basically, pride has no breathing room in that situation. Either I don't have the knowledge, I don't have the tools, I don't have the resources, I don't have the depth. I am lacking something. But it's not anyone's fault. It's not my fault. It's some, It's an opportunity to discover. And, and God... like. So life is about discovering God. So discovering something that we lack in the moment is supposed to be an encouraging thing. And once we get that, I mean, there's just so much freedom in that. Um, see, for me, leaning on Jesus and leaning on people were two, were two different things. Kind of like a torn veil. Uh, I didn't think leaning on people was a good thing at all. I felt like, oh, crap, I can't lean on people. I can't lean on my teammates, my colleagues, my supervisors, my mentors, whomever, because then I'm giving them authority and power that belongs to God. But then again, that's the whole concept of authority in the Bible. God entrusting us as faithful stewards. And we're all faithful stewards. We all have the potential to be anyway. We have these secular grids, for lack of a better term, where hierarchy is a realized thing, but often that's a product of experience, of skill that's had more time to ripen. And even if There are differences in skill. It all comes back to a perfect, a divine giver of those gifts and skills. Some people have been exercising more aware of them for longer periods of time. And that creates opportunities for some people to lead and for some people to be under that leadership, to be under that stewardship. But we're all going somewhere. We're all maturing. We're not all stuck in this hopeless plateau where however we are today, we're going to be that way tomorrow, next year, etc. So I want to make sure that when I say authority, that we're not seeing it through a negative lens. But I mean, again, the whole point is leaning on people he's put in our pathway, people he's entrusted us to work with and work under. So I'll leave that point live, but it's something to think about for the future. All right, next. Trust God in our pursuit of excellence as opposed to metrics. All right, so metrics, they're not bad in themselves, but a lot of times we are pursuing the accomplishment. We're, we're looking to accomplish goals and outcomes as opposed to simply pursuing Jesus and excellence really being the overflow. It's like if, we were, if we're being like Jesus, if we're being in Christ, we're operating within our in-Christ identity, some things are going to take care of themselves. Good works are going to happen. 
we strive for good works. We take God out of the equation. We we aim for the good works, and we touch up on God here and there, but a lot of times we're just relying on God when we need to, when it really gets tough, when the conflict is so overwhelming, when the chaos is so confusing. We trust God conditionally, but God has to be our aim. And when he's our aim, we'll find that, again, it's not that we are lazy, aimless, apathetic. I'm not saying that. Metrics have a place, but metrics are never supposed to be the bullseye of our effort, our posture, our attitudes, our heart alignment, etc. When we cast our cares upon Jesus when we're anxious about how our initiatives are quantified, again, there's an underrated power in that. That's when our trust has matured, when we can recognize that type of anxiety and we are just like, you know what, it's important that I reach this, but I trust God knows that. And I'm inviting him into this moment where he can transcend whatever metrics I am potentially stressed about, apprehensive about, and he's gone before me. It's knowing that just like intimacy is already achieved, him going before me is already achieved, I have to walk this path out. I got to choose. I got to anchor that free will, but God knows I want to do good things. And I'm not going to, you know, when distractions come up, I'm going to just, again, invite God in this moment. I'm not going to effort my way out of the distraction. I'm going to be like, God, here's the temptation. I'm just going to resist. And, you know, if it's fear, I'm going to resist that fear, knowing that I have the manual in front of me and how to deal with it. Know full well in all situations we have the mind of Christ. This is going to be the foundation of our third point for next time. Know our best isn't something we could possibly strive for. Resist the temptation to view our status and purpose through what people edify, how they edify, what they say, etc. Believe God's best will be accomplished through us knowing the guarantee is clinched when we surrender our world to His. Uh, view work not only as worship but intimacy knowing the yielding our jobs require are meant to push us closer to Jesus. And last but not least, believe God will help us develop and cultivate our colleague-client relationships. Again, it's not about receiving favor from people, but being at peace knowing we've already received favor. The bottom line of this is aligning to Jesus compels us to see the cross at the core of what we commit to. When we abide in this reality, not only are we free to discover God, but fully receive joy and peace as overflows instead of pursuits. As mentioned due to length, I'm going to save my third point for next time when I'll examine 1 Corinthians 2 through a vocational lens if we're to abide in our in-Christ identity. If we're in Christ, certainly we have the mind of Christ, but how exactly do we know we're thinking and operating as Christ when he isn't always at the mental forefront? That's going to be one of the questions we look at next time. So I'll aim to conclude that series prior to Thanksgiving and then dive into a new one the first week of December. That will be the master plan moving forward. All right, guys, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you for listening. I will, again, aim to have three, four more posts before the end of the year with some Thanksgiving and Christmas specials along the way. I hope you guys continue to be encouraged despite all this, the crazy stuff in the news. I know there's a, even more political and social unrest. There's a lot of uncertainty a lot of people, you know, more people have had COVID and you no know, people impacted by COVID. So that epidemic is not going away anytime soon. Um, there's a lot of question marks about 2021. We're already, you know, I think a lot of us are nervous about 
the heartaches of 2020 continuing on. And I just encourage you to just to not just pause your fears and anxieties, but to use this pod as not just content fodder, but just as a nudge closer to Jesus to be like, God, I, I want to connect with you at all levels. I want to be not just in you on paper, but really deeply, passionately in you, in love with you, over my head because of you. That's where I want to be at the moment I surrender and submit anything. I want to be yielded. I want to reference you. But even more than that, I want to reference with a purpose. I want to be intentional in casting this, this weight that is not from you. I want to surrender it. Uh, but also um, doing the yield work in advance that is necessary, that's required, uh, so that I'm not taking things lightly, that I'm not looking to circumvent you, that I'm not trying to just keep my distance and you know approach faith at you know a safe arm's length. But it's just all on the table. There's nothing hiding in the closet. That's where I want to be when it comes to this glorious topic, being in Christ at work, seeing the cross at the heart of what we do. So, all right, guys, you know, I'm a big fan of you. I appreciate your your taking the time to listen to this. And I know I've said a couple times in this pod, but I'll say it again. You got this and I'll catch you on the fry. Peace.